Good morning, ladies. So, we have a little news around our country in the last week. Yes, we have a new president. And so I just wanted to begin this morning by reminding you all that we know the one who sits on the throne, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and it's him in him that we place our trust. And it is my prayer that all of us would be realize that our first allegiance is to Christ and his kingdom. And yet that we would be faithful in shining for him in our in our midst, in our neighborhoods, in our country, and um, that we would be known by our love. Yes? News on the home front at the Anthony household. I found a mouse in my kitchen yesterday. And I was just, I just have to tell you, I'm really proud of myself because I, I live in an old house, so mice kind of seem to come with the territory every once in a while. And it must have been a trap that I put out last winter. And I kept walking in my kitchen and thinking, it stinks in here. <laughs> Lo and behold, I opened in the back of the pots and pans. There was a little, that you know, the sticky trap. And I did it all by myself. I screamed first, <laughs> even though it was long gone. But yes, I put it in the garbage all by myself. So anyways, exciting news on the home front. <laughs> so this morning, wow, can I say woohoo? You finished, right? You've come to the end of our Joseph study, and I want to encourage you, you all know that we have two weeks until we're going to meet again for our celebration brunch, right? So that gives you two weeks to review. Maybe throughout these next two weeks, you can read the last you know, chapter 37 to 50 of Genesis, you could read one chapter a day in review. You have a little card that you're going to get this morning. I would encourage you to go through your lessons, maybe one day at a time, you know, each day. Say, okay, I'm going to go through this lesson one. Um, you could even take a few days off with Thanksgiving if you're cooking the turkey. Um, but would you find a verse from each lesson, or a truth. Mary had lots of really awesome quotes out in the margins, didn't she? Maybe there's one that really hit home with you for right where you are right now, like she was talking about this morning. So you can gather up maybe eight throughout their whole eight lessons and then pick one. And when you come to the brunch, Come with your card, ready to go, and I want to challenge you to share around your table that morning. Don't just chit-chat, chit-chat, but take the time to say, you know what? I, I learned a lot, right? Rhonda did this great test for us at the beginning, and now we're at the end, and we've learned a lot. And we want to say, I will always remember from Joseph's story this, a characteristic of God or a, um, a step that you are encouraged to follow. So, challenge. That's your homework. And then, I'm just going to say it now, I'm your teacher, so I, I, you have to listen to me. Um, that we will have six weeks between that Tuesday brunch all the way into January. I counted this morning on the calendar. Six whole weeks. 
So I want you to be thinking about and praying about what you're going to be reading in God's Word during those six weeks. Okay? I was thinking about it this morning and thinking, you know how when you're running out of gas, the light comes on, right, in the car, on the gas gauge to let you know, got to get to the gas station? Don't go through the holidays like that, getting to the point where you're running out of gas because you've let your discipline of spending time with the Lord and his word and in prayer fall to the wayside. So make a commitment about what, what you're going to be reading in those six weeks. And you're going to share around your tables at that brunch morning. Okay, I'm going to be reading through the book of Matthew, or I'm going to be um, jumping to maybe some of Paul's letters, but you're going to share. This is where I'm going to be. You can hold each other accountable. Okay? So... And that... I just have to share because this in this last week, I was able to listen to a chapel message that Mama Maggie Gobran gave at Wheaton College. If you go to Wheaton College's page and go to YouTube, you can find it. Mama Maggie Gobran. She is a woman who has been ministering for over 25 years in the slums, the garbage dumps of Egypt. And she was... She is an Egyptian woman. She's highly edu- educated, upper-class woman. And God called her to sell everything that she had and to leave the students that she was teaching at an elite university to go and love the unloved and serve the poorest of the poor. And it was so sweet seeing her give a charge to these young college students. And what did she say to them? She said, read your Bible every day. She said, you can spend 20 minutes a day reading four chapters, and you'll get through the whole Bible in a year. Read your Bible every day. And then she also added, love someone every day. And I hope that you'll take the time to catch a glimpse of that YouTube chapel service because, oh my goodness, the humility and holiness that shines from that woman. Beautiful. So, review, 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 review. That's what this morning is. So, I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis 45. I'm just going to be sharing some of the highlights, things that God has really been speaking to me about from our study of Joseph. You might have things that are quite different. But we began with remembering that Joseph's story is part of the book of Genesis. And the overall picture and message of the book of Genesis is that sin has entered God's creation. And that's the problem. And what is the solution? Can sinful man be reconciled to a holy God? And so in this section of Joseph's story, we're seeing God's solution be presented through the covenant relationship and through the promises that there will be one that will come, that will bless the nations of the earth. In our study guide on page 182, I love what our author says. She says, Joseph's story, it's about God's love faithfulness, protection, planning, redemption, forgiveness, 
healing, and blessing. It's Joseph's story, but it's God's story and part of that bigger story of God redeeming, offering redemption to humanity. So as you're reviewing, would you look to these questions? What have you learned about God? How will you move on from here? How has Joseph's life impacted you? That was another question in our guide. And I would say, are you sick of me saying it? (laughs) Will you please remember those three things that we've learned about God? It's WWT, not WWE, WWT. God is with you. God is working. God is trustworthy. Okay? That could be cheater notes on your little card. You can be good to go for sharing at the brunch. But I think of the old song called Day by Day. This is our desire, ladies, not to just come and get more knowledge, not just to come and socialize, but we are in this study so we can see the Lord more clearly, love him more dearly, and seek to follow him more nearly. So lots of homework for you. But you've got two weeks, so you're good to go. So this morning, we begin by looking at God's grace received and given and this theme of blessed to be a blessing. It's so amazing. God is holy and just. And yet he's working out this beautiful, gracious plan for people to be in relationship with him. We've seen that in the midst of God extending his grace, that sin does have consequences, doesn't it? And the greatest consequence of all is living life apart from God. But we've seen this overriding theme in Genesis. Did you know that? It's grace. God's goodness to his children goes way beyond what they deserve. I love what Frank DeLich, I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name, but um, Frank says, The ancestors of Israel have almost more shadow than light. The nobleness of these figures consists in the fact that they conquer in the strength of the grace granted to them. We see this in Joseph's story as he extends grace and kindness to his brothers and then reconciliation and unity come to this very messy, kind of fractured family. Don't you wish you could have been there at the climax of the story where in the dramatic scene where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and forgives them? After 22 years, they are reunited. Now, it seems God is doing a work in Joseph's heart as he's interacting with his brothers, right? Kind of encouraging him along this path to to forgive them. Joseph does seek to expose the true character of, of his brothers by presenting them with an opportunity to betray Benjamin as they once had done to him. With a silver cup in his bag, Benjamin was threatened with slavery 
how would the brothers respond? Would they show compassion on their father Jacob and loyalty to their brother Benjamin? The brothers tear their clothes, revealing their affection for Benjamin and their father. And then when they come before Joseph, they bow before him, asking for mercy. Once again, it's a fulfillment of the dream, right? They bow before him. And Judah pleads to take Benjamin's place. And thus, Joseph cannot hold back any longer. He has to reveal himself. So in Genesis 45, verses 4 and 5, Joseph says to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph points his sinful brothers to the grace of God. It's as if he's saying, don't let that sin, that failure, define who you are. And then Joseph goes on beyond extending grace, but also is kind to them. If you flip over a few pages in your Bible to Genesis 47, 11 and 12, then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession on the, in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh commanded. And you have to note here, once again, God is working out his plans. He's even working through Pharaoh, right? To, that Pharaoh supports this, giving this land and allowing them to reside there. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their dependents. So Joseph does not seek revenge. He offers grace and forgiveness, and then he kindly provides for his brothers. This is a picture, ladies, of what Paul tells us about in Romans 12. Joseph overcomes evil with good. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And then he goes on to say, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So God works through Joseph to reunite his family. Joseph promotes unity and blesses them all. God's mercy, provision, and grace are at work here. Once again, I need to remind you that as God's girls, God's daughters, that we need to be going about the business of extending forgiveness. And Boskamp puts it this way. We pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we only got in the Christ faith through the door of forgiveness, how can we claim Christ as our home if we aren't people who forgive? Ladies, there's some really practical steps. If you're wanting to take some steps toward 
reconciling with someone. Don't seek vengeance. Extend kindness, forgive, or extend forgiveness, and then actually take action in extending practical care, a gift of kindness to that person. My mentor once encouraged me and reminded me about this when she said, you need to do two things when you are at odds with someone or maybe when someone has offended you. Pray for that person and then give that person a gift. I think that's wonderful advice. We also find Joseph fathered Jacob. If we look back throughout his story, that Jacob experiences God's grace again and again. And I think one of my favorite verses that I'm going to be taking with me from reading through Joseph's story and and his ancestors is this section of Genesis 32:10 where it says he Jacob mind you the setting is that he's going he's been commanded to go back from the land of Laban to reunite with Esau and he's terrified and this is in the midst of a prayer that he offers to God. He says to the Lord, I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me. Could we not all proclaim that today? It's interesting to note, grace is a recurring theme in Jacob's story, and there's a repeated phrase that we find throughout his life. It's about seeing the face. And the first one is when he wrestles with God and he talks about seeing the face of God. So Jacob called the name of that place where he wrestled with God all night long. For I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. Such grace. And then, when he's reunited with his brother Esau, after 20 years of being estranged from him. In Genesis 33, 4, 10, and 11, this beautiful picture of their reconciliation. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me. And then, later on, if you turn over in your Bibles to chapter 46, verses 29 and 30, Jacob, after 22 years of thinking that Joseph was dead, gets to see the face of his precious son. Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. And then if you turn over to Genesis 48, 11, 
another gift of grace. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Grace, grace, God's grace abundantly showered on Jacob. And then we also have to be sure to mention Judah. Judah, who had stepped away from his family, seemingly stepped away from the covenant promises, and whose family was turning away from God, and then that awful failure where he sleeps with unknowingly with his daughter-in-law. But here, at the end of the story, he is transformed. He's a new man. He's the spokesman and leader of the brothers. He offers himself to become a slave in place of his brother Benjamin. Here, this man who had seemed lost is modeling sacrificial love. He thinks of his father, Jacob, and honors him. And Judah's tribe will go on to lead the nation of Israel. Genesis 44, verses 30 to 34. Now, therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not, this is Judah speaking, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. And let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. So ladies, this morning, will you be challenged by this theme of grace abundantly showered on you? Will you be receiving that grace? Will your heart be a fountain that's overflowing with it, will you realize that you are blessed to be a blessing? If there is a relationship that is broken in your life today, will you keep praying? Will you seek to offer grace and kindness and peace? And will you remember this? as we think especially of Judah. Grace is needed most when people are at their worst. Now let's move on from God's grace and blessed to be a blessing to trusting in God's providence, believing in God and his goodness. I love how Joseph proclaims God's providence to his brothers. And we find this If you go back to 45, verses 5 to 8, where Joseph says, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. 
And then Joseph once again proclaims God's providence after Jacob's death. And the brothers are concerned, will Joseph continue to be kind to us now that our father is gone? And in Genesis 50, verses 18 to 20, 21, we find that the brothers came and fell down before Joseph and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. Joseph encourages brothers to rejoice in God's gracious and sovereign overruling of their evil intentions. God can take evil and bring good out of it. Now, last time I spoke, I talked about God's providence as being his, his care and guidance, but I love this definition that I found by Mitch Kim. Providence is God's good, wise, and sovereign guidance and control of all things by which he supplies all our needs and accomplishes his holy will. And then he goes on to say this, A rich confidence in divine providence can rescue our hearts from becoming mired in resentment and bitterness. This is review, ladies. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God allows trials in our lives to achieve his good purposes. And there are three. Our growth, or maybe we could say like Judah, our transformation. <laughs> okay, Bringing good to others and glorifying God. I would say the simple key to walking faithfully through trials is this simple truth. Knowing God is good. I mentioned this beautiful prayer that Jacob offers before he fearfully goes to meet his brother Esau. If you have a chance to go back and read through it from Genesis 32, 9 to 12, it's beautiful because he proclaims God's goodness and his promises to him at the beginning of his prayer and at the end of his prayer. He's bracketing his prayer with that focus and the truth of who God is. He says in verse 9, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. And then the, the end of the prayer. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. He's proclaiming and trusting in God's goodness. And then in Genesis 41, verses 51 and 52, some verses that you've looked at in our study, the naming of Joseph's sons. In the naming of his sons, Joseph is proclaiming God's goodness even in the midst of his trials. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. In the midst 
of his trials. He's trusting in God's goodness and God's providence. God's goodness is not like any other. His goodness is powerful. We must count on him as good and as able to work good from the worst of situations. He is a good God who is working to redeem everything. He is working out his purpose to bring redemption to the world. I just want to remind you once again and challenge you. Don't miss out on the opportunities that God gives you when you go through trials. When we fail to trust him, we bring trouble instead of blessing to those around us. And we miss out on the opportunity to point others to God. There's a poem by William Cowper called God Moves in a Mysterious Way. I encourage you to check it out where he says, God moves in a mysterious way. You must trust that his purposes are unfolding every hour. And then this beautiful line, the clouds you dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Last but not least, God's faithfulness inspires strong faith. We have seen, ladies, hopefully you've got memorized now, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, that God has been busy fulfilling his covenant promises. He has been with his people. He is multiplying them, even in the land of Egypt. He is blessing them. He is blessing others through them. And in Genesis 48 and 49, we see how Jacob and Joseph seek to pass on the promises. They want their families to know God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They want them to count on him. I have a verse that, that you can look to, Genesis 48, 15, and 16. This is the blessing of Joseph, okay? Jacob blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, right? He's blessing, he's giving the double portion by adopting Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. He's blessing Joseph and blessing his sons. And he says, In them let my name be carried on, in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Jacob's blessings throughout these two chapters embrace the history of Israel from the conquest and dis- distribution of the land and point to the Messiah. The blessing of Judah in Genesis 49.10 points to the one who will bless all the nations of the earth. And Jacob and Joseph look forward with eyes of faith. In Genesis 48, 21 says, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you again to the land of your fathers. That's Jacob. And then Joseph in Genesis 50, 24 and 25, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. I love how at the very end of their lives, they are sure to pass on these covenant promises to their descendants. And they reflect back on the promises that were given generations before to Abraham in Genesis 15, 13. 
God says to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. They're remembering those promises and proclaiming them. And then we find in the book of Hebrews, the chapter on faith in Hebrews 11, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. They keep those bones for 400 years. I wonder if they were a source of hope and a reminder of the covenant promises. And then, sure enough, Moses, at the exodus, would carry those bones to the promised land. But I want to be sure to mention, ladies, it's not, the most important gift is not the land. It's God's presence and the gift of living in relationship with him. I want to encourage you in your groups today to take the time to look at those passages in Galatians 3. We don't have time for them now, but I want to close in prayer. Our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you that through the gift of your son that we are now daughters of Abraham because we've trusted in his sacrifice on our behalf. And Lord, I pray that we would reflect you and that we would be blessed to be a blessing, that we would trust you through trials, and that we would always remember through our study of Joseph, that you are with us, you are working, and you are trustworthy. In Jesus' name, amen.